Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was said, I was glad. <laughs> Hallelujah. When they said, let's be the church, the pillar and the ground of truth. And so I'm delighted to be here once again sharing Sunday morning in the Word and kind of uh, uh, being able to share the Word of God with you. If you have a notebook handy, we always encourage our members to get a notebook for our teachings because we just believe that the information that we're giving is going to help you be a better you in Christ. And the real you is who you are in Christ Jesus. And that's what we're that's what we're promoting and adv- advocating. And um we definitely want you to take advantage of what is being taught. And with that being said, um I'm going to be going a little bit I'm going to be dealing with three things for the rest of the year. Um, the, the theme of triumph, um, as you know, that is our ministry theme for the year, and I kind of want to break it down. I, um, the, the anointing makes a difference last year. I'm going to do a series on it this year because it ties into this year. But the Lord was declaring that this is a year of triumph, and I'm excited for what he has for the years to come. But in this, in, in a particular season, and in in, in, in in working out victories we have to we have to understand that victories are are declared after overcoming battles. And so one of the things that he told me that I would be teaching on is really um, conflict resolution. And so um, there's some things that I just need to make certain that we have um, underway. But this one is in particular is going to be pertaining to ministry. And, um, and so I think there's a, um, a charge. Now, if you haven't gotten the series on Level Up, I think Division One is good. And um, we have some new things. But this is going to be a part of our triumph scene and our transformation division. And this is just, you know, uh, a new series that we're going to be talking about. And um, earlier this year, I did one teaching on it. And um, and uh, I just feel that it's going to, and I'm not in my feelings, but I'm just saying, I, I just know that this is going to be, a uh, a great eye opener for s- some people in the church, you know. And um, this is kind of like a leadership thing. I'm going to be teaching on leadership a lot more, and uh, we have some other teachers now in the ministry that's going to give the practical application. So the Lord has kind of released me to go into some other areas that I've been waiting for the green light to go in. If you know what I mean, those of you who are ministers who've been preaching 
for some time. You don't just get messages together um, anymore. Well, at least I don't get just messages together anymore. I stopped that a long time ago. Um, you know, when you study and pray for the summer, uh, um, sermon, <laughs> you know, here's what I was looking for. Praise God. And, um, and, um, you don't just ask for sermons. You, you make certain that you write before the Lord, you know? And uh, and then all in addition, you ask God when you when you study. See, when you're subject to a sermon, you're only subject to what He's saying for a situation. You hear what I'm saying? But when you when you're seeking God for direction and for leading, uh, God will give you uh, um, um, uh, will entrust you with mysteries and wisdoms and knowledge and and you know, higher learning, but you have to be a disciplined person. You can't be undisciplined and expect to do the work of ministry. And, and so I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. And um, and we're going we gonna to hit this thing from the head on. And um, the enemy loves to seek division amongst people. And, and we have to, as the body of Christ, obliterate offense. And 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 um, kind of do some things that are going to help us. Amen. All right. Praise God. Praise His name. Praise His holy and precious name. Okay. I'm getting my stuff. Together. All right. All right. We're going to talk about church matters tonight. Church, or this morning, rather. <laughs> church matters. Amen. We're going to talk about communicating, uh, conf- uh, correcting, communicating, and confronting church conflict. And our first division is going to be Am I in the right church? We're going to talk about what it means to be the church. The Lord wanted me to review some things about the church. So let's pray and not delay. Father, we thank you and praise you and give you glory for it is the authority of your word that makes it conf- makes me confident to proclaim what thus saith the Lord. I lean and depend on the Holy Spirit who is the educator and the guide to give me clear articulation of speech and thought as to make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and everything that shall be revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. You know, the church is the catalyst of change. It is the revelation that Peter had been received of magnifying Christ's identity that shaped the construct of the church upon this rock I build my church. The rock was the revelation of who Jesus really was. If we were going to experience a relationship with Christ, it was going to evolve into a communion, 
a commitment to serve and to sacrifice and to settle our hearts in him being Lord, which is ruler, controller, and sustainer. Everything that we have to do when it comes to embodying who Jesus really is, because as he is, so are we in this world, would be personified in the concept of the church. The church would not only be something that was selfless uh, with submitting our hearts to sacrifice, but it would also be a social connection among others of like precious faith who would also engage into a union that could not be achieved in the world a union that could not be achieved in in culture or in the context of racism, sexism, classism. All of those are eradicated in Christ. And even when um, the, the, the first uh, people to understand um, what it would mean to have uh, a religious discipline, uh, the Jewish, uh, uh, it was important that the church after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, would then, would then be identified outside of the boundaries of Jewish culture. So God calls leaders from throughout Judaism and throughout the Gentiles or any other nation that was not Jewish, and begins to uh, empower them with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So that externally they're not exemplifying convictions, commandments, and conditions that don't merit character, competence, and consistency. This would be a, 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 a group that has changed from the authority, the authenticity, and the approval that makes them superior through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there are evidences that we have when we come into the knowledge of the truth of our salvation, that not only Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, but there's a life and a quality of life that takes us far above principalities and powers and mights and dominions. And through this, through this concept of church, we commune. We come to a table. We come to a place where we can we can dialogue and dissect the various dynamics of who Jesus is and how he applies and how we relate to one another and how we shape our perspectives around who we are and what we have and what we can do. And we, 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 just, we demand and place a demand on this table to reflect the authority and the, and the, uh, and the, um, and the insights that Christ gives to be culturally authoritative, to be uh, uh, um, congruent with the will of God, to be uh, communicating life versus death. And so this table, this place of communion, bursts out uh, a matter, and that's what happens. And this is why uh, uh, the world doesn't want you to be the church, doesn't want you to go to church, doesn't want you to understand what the church is for, wants to demonize the church, and he has even inserted the voice of demonization and the voice of degradation and um, demonization and division within the church. And so now when you go to church, you got preachers talking about other churches. 
And, and, and the very thing that is supposed to be a communion, a, a table of transformation, a, a table where we can talk and, and learn and, and yield from the place of Christ, that tabernacle, this last tabernacle that introduces the day of the Lord, hallelujah, order it, Kenny. I'm, I'm going to calm down because I'm, I'm in another place that, that I, I hope you will, you will get to in your hearts when you begin to learn to love the place which God has, has, has placed his honor, the place where the Old Testament said, where thy honor dwelleth, the place where where when two or three are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. The place where the, 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 he sits them on the top of the hill where they cannot be healed. Hid, the place where, where God can, uh, can effectuate change in times like these. It's called the church. And until we love the concept of the church, uh, it, it will always remain doormat, uh, and we will miss the place that God has placed us to grow and thrive in, in life, in life. Do you hear what I'm saying? The church was designed uh, to develop us to find out what is important about life. It is it's a relational communion. It is not an organization. It's an organism. It's a body. It's a body where every joint supplies. You can you can translate and look at the the nine churches that we focus on. Philip, uh, Philemon. Uh, uh, well, well, let's let's look at the churches so you know you have a have a good uh, context or study method, you can find out Revelation lists the seven churches. And, of course, it's Ephesians, Smyrna, Pergium, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Lodicea. These are seven seven of the main churches in the New Testament. Of course, you know, you, you have churches all over, uh, Colossae and all of them, but those are important that you understand uh, that 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 in the book of Revelation, the, the highlight of those, we end, we start the, the Bible or the communication with God, with creation, but we end communication with the church. So the church is important because of its relationship with God or with the Godhead, all of authority is defined by the church. Number two, it's it's where the authority of Christ is exercised and not just realized. There is no other place. That's why I love uh, coronation ceremonies. One of the things I'm always fascinated is when they crown someone. Hallelujah. And they give someone some high prestigious title. They have to use some religious uh, uh uh, entity to approve them or to crown them. In the United States, we are even in our democracy. We swear by oaths, and oath swearing is a is a religious institution which we all respect and we place our hands on. 
on Bibles. Some now, now you got some people that want to place their hand on community, uh, on on um, on like the uh, what do you call it, the Constitution. But the Constitution, those who wrote it, submitted themselves to God. It's an institution. It's a religious institution that demands and, and causes the authority of Christ to be exercised and not just realized. And so the reason why the enemy doesn't want you to experience the, the, the life at the place of the catalyst of change is because he wants to keep you in conflict. He don't want you to really plug into what it means to be the church. And then the manifestation of life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus is also implemented in our personal lives at the church. You know, um, I'll give you Ephesians 3.20, Ezekiel 55.9, Romans 1.16, uh, Ephesians 3.7.8, Ephesians uh, 1.19-23, Ephesians 2.19-22 gives you the power, the, the place of praise and a place of prayer. For the church, but the but the the laws behind the church uh, evolve through the gospel. The laws are all submitted to the gospel, not just the commandments. The commandments is Old Testament, but the church is a New Testament entity. It's the first institution that was established by a new covenant, and the seal of that new covenant was Pentecost, where the manifestation of the Holy Spirit enable the people to enact or to act out the display of the Holy Spirit in their lives and in their unity with one another. And so the Pentecost is the birthday of the church, but it's also the vivid display of the fulfillment of the prophecies which Jesus proclaimed through the gospel that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him and it had anointed him so it could anoint you. And so in that, behind that construct of development is the power of God on display, the plan of God, and now a people that will arise, not only by family origin, family covenants, which we see in the Old Testament, but by a display of a spiritual covenant that was established upon better promise. Hallelujah. <clears throat> And so the dichology of our, which the, the dichology means an anthem of praise. It's an expression of prayer and praise for the power and the sense of God's presence among us. <laughs> Is that the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to, to be in Christ as one and to collectively grow in Christ. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I have to give this foundation because we don't know why we are called the church. And as a result, you have people making the church to be things that it's not designed to be. Ah, five things that have happened to the person who is, is committed to being the church and not just attending church. One, they're going to have conversion by the power of the Holy Spirit. No one in the church was ever used, demonstrated, or celebrated without them being distinctively separated by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. 
and and I understand. I was listening last week, and I, and of course, you know, I've got a lot of Baptist brothers now, and some of them just didn't even acknowledge um, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it really is just a blasphemy to the church when you don't acknowledge the birthday of the church. You're really not acknowledging. You you're you're not acknowledging God's catalyst of change, or you're not acknowledging God's institution, which He's used for the last day to display who Jesus really is. The book of Hebrews gives the greatest defense of why you should not forsake yourself from the assembly as the manner of some men. So there's a there's a there's a there's some things that should take place in your life that lets people know that you are saved, you're sanctified, and you're spiritual. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, hallelujah. Secondly, your conduct is established by righteousness. Conversion by the Holy Spirit, that's number one. And then secondly, your conduct is established in righteousness. Righteousness is, is a reality of the redemptive work of Christ being, re- being revelation in our life. What do, what do I mean by that? God has shown you a way that's distinctively different from your carnal thinking, from your, from your acceptance from the corruptions in the world that you've accepted through lust. He, all of that has been, has been, uh, uh, been eradicated because God has established a conduct for you, a way that you walk, a way that you talk, and a way that you commit your character to. Your conduct is established in righteousness. Now, I don't have time to give you um, all of the these things, but one of the things that happen when you are in righteousness is that you experience or you learn what it means to sacrifice. You learn what it means to submit. You learn what it means to stand alone. You learn what it means to serve, and you learn what it means to stretch your potential. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Righteousness. Why? Because God reveals his purpose in you, and he also reveals how you play a part in the overall scheme of history, that you weren't just placed on planet Earth just to be selfish, soulish, and sensual, that God, by his spirit, separated you before you were in your mother's womb for such a time as this to be empowered be, to be a source of power or display of Christ's power in affecting some cause and some situation that brings glory to God on a greater scheme of things, that God has you in a place. And if that place is something that seems as minuscule as just cleaning a building for a number of years or being a great trash man or being a postal worker or being a preacher or being a teacher or being a great mother or being a great father or being a great sibling or being a great cousin, no matter, or, 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 or being a, um, uh, you know, no matter what the vocation or no matter what uh, association or what uh, uh, assimilation you are a part As long as you exemplify the authority of Christ in your life because you've been converted by the Holy Spirit and you've been, uh, you come, you conduct yourself based on an established plan of righteousness, God can use you. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? And it can bring it can bring the change that he wants to see in the earth since creation was restored. Hallelujah. And so you have to come from a re- place of restoration, a place of reconciliation, a place of repentance, a place of reform, a place of renewal. But this all is established in righteousness. And Lord, I can give you some scriptures where he established us in righteousness. And you know I want to. You know I want to. But I don't have time. Hallelujah. Thirdly, not only does he give us conversion by the Holy Spirit or conduct, cause us, our conduct to be established in righteousness, we gain control over carnality through casting down wicked imaginations that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. What do we learn to do? We learn to control the soul. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of what? Fear, but of power, love, and what? A sound mind. Why? So that we can have authority over our own soul. That's why you got to work out what? Your own salvation with fear and trouble. Your soul salvation. Why? Because your soul needs to be saved. Your body might be saved because you accepted Jesus, but your mind is what's going. Because as a man thinks in his heart, what? He is, your reality is defined by your perception. So your perception has to be changed. God is doing the work on you most of the time um, and establishing a, a different path of righteousness so you can think differently. Because if you think differently, you'll see differently. If you see differently, you'll do differently. And if you do differently, he'll delight in what you do. And when he delights in what you do, you'll gain glory in your situation. Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, bless his name. And then also in our relationship with God, there is correction through revelation. That's number four. Why? Because we are confronted with the knowledge of Christ. The first display of the Holy Spirit, the greatest display of the Holy Spirit when he converts us. You know what conversion is? I forgot to say this in in point number one. Conversion is, 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 is is the discovery of the of the authentic value when it's been brought to the scale or brought to balance, when it's been placed, uh, when it's placed in a place, a different area, and is weighed to see if it's worth, to discover its worth. So when you're converted by the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit's job is to confirm who Jesus really is, to show you things to come. And it, it, in that process, to reveal things to you, the truth that you needed to know. It is the spirit of truth. And so when the Holy Spirit converts you, he shows you your worth ultimately. And the reason why many people are failing in their life and failing is because they don't know their worth. Well, the Bible says a just man falls seven times, and it gives right back up. And I declare over your life that if you find yourself heavy, if you find yourself heavy laden, if you find yourself going through the trials of what life will present without Christ. We present Jesus because we know there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the life of Jesus. There's power in the walk of Jesus. And there's also power in the talk of Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we present Jesus because with the confession, the mouth is made unto salvation. So God will first tell you it's going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. Trouble won't last. Oh, there I go with that preaching again. Always. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? And so conversion causes a revelation to spark so that you can be corrected through the revelation, through through the confronting that comes from Christ. Because first Christ is going to give you a revelation of the truth. 
and then he's going to give you wisdom. But in, in order to give you wisdom, you got to get, in all that I get and get understanding. Do you know what I'm saying? you got to understand it. So God reveals his plan through correction because, and of course, you know, correction is also done in righteousness so that, that the way you're not just externally professing something you don't believe. Because he don't need no faking until you make it. You need to make it. We do too much faking in the body of Christ, and we don't need to do that. And then, of course, fifthly, is when your character is built through faith. Now, character character cannot be corrupted. Character is just the manifestation of what's really working within you. What you yield your members to obey, the Scripture says. Do you hear what I'm saying? So faith will will actually make your character realize. First in your eyes, when you start living by faith and not by sight, you find out what you really have, who you really are, and what you really can do. And some of y'all found out you can't do nothing. You're always offended. You're always upset. You're clueless to what God is doing. Hello. So we got to change that. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? We got to change that because, see, the enemy wants to, wants to, uh, wants to corrupt you and prevent you from experiencing God's plan for your life. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? And this is where we shape a Christianity, a, a Christ likeness. Oh, I, I feel the flow of the Holy Ghost. While I'm teaching this, and I'm enjoying the light, the light of His truth and the knowledge of His will. Glory to God. But this is where where we 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 change things. Y'all hear what I'm saying? See, see, in Christ, we we begin to express ourselves. Now, Christianity was a word inserted to insult those who would follow Jesus, but we found the path of life. You hear what I'm saying? So, in that. Our expression of our devotion to Christ is really accepting his principles as supreme, standards for living, strengthening of character, and sources of hope. When Christianity demands a, a cleansed conscience from worldly perspective, this involves us establishing um, godly habits, uh, uh, growing generational growing generational excellence through redemptive innovation and then resolving to live righteously as a child of God. You know what I'm saying? And, and this is this can only excel our Christianity through the power, the display of power of Christ, which eradicates all forms of, of elitism, egotism, sexism, classism, racism, division, divination, all of this is through the fruits of the Spirit that empowers our confidence um, of the intelligence that we esteem in the inner man through Christ Jesus. Did y'all get my point to that? Because it's through Christ that we are we realize the importance of who we uh, of the gospel in effect. The church gives the power, the plan of God for the people of God. And the people of God is resolved to live as Christ and to die as gain. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, the gospel is what Jesus proclaimed. It's the instrument of the Lord by which the gospel was, or which man was reconciled to God. The goals of the gospel 
was that it would be preached so that it could gather the lost and that God would be glorified and that we would grow in the nature of Christ. Did y'all hear what I said? What are the three objectives of the gospel? When it's preached, it is for the gathering of the lost, that God would be glorified, and that you would grow in the nature of Christ. So the, the gospel is the instrument of the Lord which was proclaimed so that men could be made reconciled to God. Ephesians 1, 4 through 15, Luke 19, 10. And, of course, you, you know, Luke 4, Acts 20, 28 gives all of this, this, this understanding. Do you all hear what I'm saying? we got to study in our own time um, and really kind of get those things in our heart. Uh, Our willingness to uh, establish fellowship and communion with God unlocks promises, provisions, protection, potential, but ultimately power, power to transform, power to transfigure, power to transition into what? Triumph. Y'all hear what I'm saying? (laughs) I told y'all this is a supplement to the theme which God gave me for the entire year. Amen. So um, the church, one of the, one of the things that the church has to do is establish its culture through faith. Okay. Because when it's not, it will ultimately, it will, people will be convinced that the, that the ordinances that are placed to establish order in the church is the, is the doctrine of the church. And the doctrine of the church is Jesus. It's the knowledge of Christ. <laughs> Do y'all hear me? Now, you preachers, I need y'all to pay attention. That are listening. You got to make certain that Jesus maintains the forefront and that the gospel is preached so that God can be glorified and that we can gain the lost. The introduction of the church in Acts was established based on a display uh, or a demonstration of the Holy Spirit, or the manif- or what better word for demonstration is manifestation. The manifestation of the Spirit in Acts through the unity that they were displayed in 10 days of unity. The Spirit of God manifested and confirmed what Jesus had prophesied and proclaimed at his ascension. And he said, wait until you are endowed with power from on high. Why? And then as a result of the gospel being reiterated or proclaimed, do you hear what I'm saying? Through Peter, 5,000 was added daily as the church as such should be saved. So in other words, you're going to see massive explosion of growth when the gospel is the core of the church. It doesn't change. The gospel message doesn't change. Jesus came. And I, and I gave that message, the five reasons why Jesus came. Y'all got to go back and get these teachers from the beginning of the year, amen? And so, when we, because when we put some things together, um, when it comes to dealing with things that take place in the church, uh, we got to make certain that we, we do things right. Do y'all hear me? Do y'all hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? Amen. All right, now. I wanted to give you the foundation scripture in Corinthians. Verses 1, chapter 10. 
one of the core foundations. Paul addressing to the church about unity. And this is what ultimately when we talk about conflict, you have to understand God's ideal is that we display unity to the world. That is what's going to to transform us. And I gotta I gotta bring this to a close and listen. This is just the introduction. I got five minutes before to God. This is just the introduction. I did not get started. I didn't get to a place. Well, I got to a place where I should be, but I well, praise God. Uh, let me give you the um, seven competencies of the church. And uh, I want to, but let's go to Corinthians and give a kind of uh, uh, oversight as to where we're going with conflict because I want to tie that in. I can teach about the church um, on the, in this lens of understanding so much so that I never deal with conflict. <laughs> And I'm here to address conflict. So in in First Corinthians chapter one, verse ten, I read out the English Standard Version, I believe. It says, God, who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree together, and there be no divisions among you, and that ye may be united in mind and in conviction. My brother, some from Charles households has informed me that there are quarrels among you, and that should not be. And so we have to address this. Paul, you see Paul addressing a lot of conflicts in the book of Corinthians. Uh, he appeals to love in Ephesians. He deals with Philemon. The book of Philemon is one of the greatest books on conflict resolution. And I talked about that in handling conflicts God's way. And um, and um, also, uh, you know, all the letters to the church. And the letters are to the church. Um, are great examples of Paul's appeal to us um, maintaining unity. And let me say this real quick, and I'll get back into this when I pick this up next week. There can, the corruption, corruption comes with the display of disunity. And it is a demonic insertion somewhere when there's, there's an a, a eruption. There's somebody not operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and when the Holy Spirit is not properly taught, unity cannot happen. A lot of reasons why there's a lot of foolishness going on in the church is because we really are not giving authority to the power of the Holy Spirit. When there is conflict, there's offense, defense, reaction, and responses and results that did not originate from the power or the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so, and if you're not converted by the Holy Spirit, you will not submit to the Holy Spirit. You all hear what I'm saying? Let's bring back into what I said about the church. Because, see, this is where we're missing it. We're missing it in the church because we have not learned that when the, when we realize that the revelation of the church is a part of us and we are, we are submitted to the Holy Spirit by conversion because he's revealed the power, the plan, and who we are as a people, and the gospel has authority, we, there's, there's something missing. 
And that is this, this, this area that the Holy Spirit reforms us when we're converted and we conform to righteousness and, you know, uh, um, you know, our conduct is established. Those five things that makes us the church. When we don't learn sacrifice and mission, standing alone, serving and stretching our potential, that's, that's what's, that's what's, what's going to cause unity to be overted and not displayed properly. Okay? All right. Now, I'm going to talk about what you should know about your church before you join it. Let's close there. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! I'm laughing because I know where I'm going, and I'm telling you this thing is in me better than I could ever convey with my words ever. Uh, there's just there's something on this, this lesson. I know we don't have this as the church. Um, um, I can give you some examples of why people are not going to church. But that's not really necessary for where, where I'm going. Uh, let me see. Let me get these last notes. Uh, let me get these notes. Glory to God, I got to find this last one because I got to give you this. I got to give you this. Things you should know about your church because some some of us just don't we just don't know, and that's the problem. <laughs> we don't know, <laughs> and we should know. Hallelujah, glory to God. Did y'all get anything out of this? I hope y'all did. Um, mm, Lord, maybe the Lord don't want me to tell y'all. He, he do. I'm sure he does. I'm sure it does because he gave it to me this morning. Hey, there we go. Praise God. All right. I put it over. See, this is this is uh, this is not fresh revelation, but this is this is so established I didn't type it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this is this is some new stuff. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, number one. Things you should know about your church. And it's, these are things we were talking about the gospel. We gave you the constitution of the church, the power of God, the people of God, uh, and the, uh, the power of God, the plan of God. The plan of God is also essential, and that's what is what the gospel is. What is it? The instrument that the Lord uses. The instrument. What is the gospel? It's the instrument that the Lord uses. And one of the things that we have to do in the culture is make certain that we don't corrupt the culture of the gospel. It's the instrument that the Lord uses to proclaim men to be made reconciled to God. The ministry that God has given each of us, all of us, is reconciliation. So the church has to be understood. These these basic things, uh, Ephesians outlines it, Corinthians talk about, let, don't, don't let no be, there be no division among you. So I gave this all of this elaborate introduction of who the church is, what the church does so that you can know how to handle this stuff when it comes up in the church. Ultimately, you know one thing, the Holy Spirit is not being honored in confusion. God is not the author of confusion. And where there's confusion, there's every evil word going on. Did you hear what I'm saying? So when, when we deal with confusion and conflict in the church, it's because the Holy Spirit has been somewhere blasphemed. 
I want to bring that out, that the Holy Spirit is not regarded as it should be. Because the Holy Spirit helps you work things out. And the first display of the Holy Spirit that we see, other than the power of God, is unity amongst the brethren. Okay? So when you go to a church, these are some things that you should know about your church when you join it. How the church came to existence. Number one, that's, how did it come to existence? And you need to know the history of your church. And some of you, and let me say this, you don't, you don't play when it comes to what church you go to. You, you, you want to believe, and see, this is a problem I deal with a lot of people. And, and, and you can't even talk to them as spiritual because they're wicked. Because they don't have a resolve to the integrity that God demands on them to accept salvation. See, salvation is a result of truth. So anything that is disguised with lies and, and misnomers and not clear and not, and not correct and not straight and not all 100, and, do y'all get what I'm saying? When it's not presented that way, then everything else is shaped, that's shaped around that you are looking past and overlooking is demonic. God can't, God, I can't speak to the situation because there's so many deviations, divisions in it, that it's demonic. And you got to see divisions as demonic, a display of the devil distorting the concept of the church because the concept of the church is clear. The concept of the church is correct. The concept of the uh, uh, the concept of the church is clean. The concept of the church is changed. The concept of the church is Christ. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? And when those things are not in place, you're gonna have a, you're gonna have some things going on as, as that's blaspheming or discrediting the authority of the Holy Spirit, which has been sent to give you the intelligence that you need to know to be who you are, to show what you have, and to show what you can do as the church, to live as Christ. So our whole life is surrounded by, and this is the institution, the only other institution beyond you living that can be identified as faith. Do you all hear what I'm saying? Be especially kind to those of the household of faith. Why does he call it a household of faith? Because it's the only place where faith can be displayed out, uh, uh, exteriorly. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? All right. All right. Number one, how the church came into existence. Number two, who the leaderships are and, and its structure. Leadership is not, is not positions. <laughs> But it's the people who exist in the position. You need to know those that labor among you. You know what I'm saying? Number three, what your expectations are as a member. Because there's expectations churches have when you join somebody's church. I never forget when I was dealing with handling church conflict, one of the things the Lord said to me, first of all, are they exemplifying what it means to be the church? And when they talk about they have a problem with the church, if they're not doing certain things in the church, like being a systematic giver, like being submitted to authority, like being in sync with the overall plan of that church, then they don't have a conflict. They just don't have the comprehension of what it means to be the church. And many times you you got to, you got, when you're talking to people, especially preachers, listen up, listen up, because I know y'all like to take other people's members and y'all get demons. And I know y'all like to, y'all like to say y'all all, all people are welcoming and affirming. You got, there's some things that you have to do in the church 
that are confronting, that demand communicating, and that demand correction. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so God done made me the bishop, and he done had me sit down at the table and write this, this, this plan out so that I can communicate some things that should not be happening in this church. That's my job. And one of these things is some of y'all, you go into the wrong churches, or you don't even know what the church is, and, and God can't use you in a delusion. And there's some things you just need to know. What's your expectation? What are the bylaws, constitutions of the church and its membership? Do they have a handbook? You go into an organism that demands an organization, you need, to, you need to know what it means to be an association. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you join a job, what do they give you first? Orientation. An interview. They should. I mean, you got some crazy jobs out there that don't give you nothing. Just sit you out there like a fire and blow you up. <laughs> By law, and then the people who are there acknowledge how to handle crisis. So these are, that's number five. The people who are there to acknowledge and handle crisis is in the church. So you need to know who's in place to correct that. Some things that should always take place in the church and that the church should always affirm, the word of God, the concept of unity, and the order of God. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. I'm out of time, y'all. I got to stop. We got to go. You know I got more. And I'm just going to come back next week. I and work on this a little more because we we got some things going on in the church that shouldn't happen. Shouldn't be happening, y'all. And um, I've just been so fascinated with Pentecost. Um, Lord done shared with me some some insight on some things, and and we got to get it right in the church. We got to get it right in the church. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to discuss some things in your word. And we pray that the anointing that is on this word will effectuate the change that's necessary to see your power and your glory displayed in our time, our context. We trust you, Lord, that none of these things, these things, this generation, this generation shall not pass until all these things are fulfilled. Let the fulfillment of your plan be so effectual in our lives that we see you and we change from the inside out. And for that alone, we trust you and we praise you and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I trust that whatever you set your hands to do, you'll do great to see that's within you and you that's within the world. This is Ron Breland, founder of Urban Glory Campaign, host of Urban Glory Radio. This is Sunday morning in the Word, and we are excited to be on here continue teaching the word of God. I'm back. I'm bold and I'm ready to just continue to share some things which the Lord has given. Next Sunday I'm going to be on again and um, working on reconstructing the weekly things. So y'all bear with me. We're just kind of getting things in order and getting some things out there. Y'all trust the Holy Spirit to do some things because he really is doing some things. And it's a great measure. We've got a great team and got some great things going on this year that we got to just Amen. So we're just going to do what God tells us to do. Well, love you with the love of the Lord. And we know that God's word is going to affect what it's changed. Oh, I didn't say it at the beginning of the 
broadcast, but I'm saying at the end, Happy Father's Day. The greatest title that God could ever give a man is, is the reflection of his nature. And when people say father, not just daddy, but father, they, they are really acknowledging the God factor that can be vividly displayed in your life. And so when someone says Happy Father's Day to you, even if you're not a father, they see the potential. But everyone that has served as a father in the nature of God, and some of you are fathers and have not served in that nature, you need to. We want to salute you today on the day that we acknowledge and affirm the fathers of the gospel. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank the Lord for the word this morning. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.